0: Thanks for tuning in to listen to the Drosh for this week's Parsha reading. Stay tuned after the Drosh for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the message. sir. All right. We have made it to the eighth day in our portion, Shmini and that word can be heard also and I've taught on this before my oil it sounds like the word for my oil Shimon is oil um, so the letter 8 is rooted in oil and of course the oil is of the anointing of the messianic kingdom like we talked about last week And ultimately, the Messianic Kingdom will be when we rule with Messiah after the 1,000 years in the presence of the Creator for eternity. And that is the 8th millennium. There are seven millennia set aside for mankind. Each of those is a day. And the 8th millennium is the last day of all days. It's forever there's no time there and that's where we're headed okay so for four or five shabbats now maybe more maybe less i think it's probably more we've been talking about building the house and last week we talked about the oil of anointing that is necessary for service in the house and i explained that the book of Vai leviticus is about the service of the levites that's what this whole book is about Um, how we do business of God, the business of God, in the house of God. That's what the book of Vayib is about. Um, There is a verse in the Greek Hadashah that says, Set your own house in order. God wants His house in order, right? And so, in, in the context of our portion, He has built the house for Israel, which is a cloth house. And he himself is putting in an order order and saying how he wants things done in that house. Uh, Theoretically, every dad does that in his own home. We understand today a lot of of them don't. They neglect their fatherly patriarchal duties. And people today hate that word, but I'm sorry, it's a biblical word. (laughs) God designed the family and the father is the head of the house. Just like God is the head of his own house. and He has established how we do business, how we conduct ourselves in his house. Last week we saw that the Kohenim had a Kohen Gadol, a high priest. And we looked at the fact that he is an archetype of the Messiah. And all of this service in the house began at this time of year. As a matter of fact, if you go back to the Chodesh that we just passed when when, when we declared the first month, have we done that yet? We haven't done that yet. So, Next week will be the anniversary of what we're we're reading about here in regard to Moshe reared the tabernacle and what we're talking about specifically today is eight days after he erected the tabernacle. So it's between the Chodesh and Passover that, that all of this is happening. Okay? This is figurative. And this one that we're reading about is a cloth tabernacle raised up during the time of Pesach, raised up just in time, and consecrated for Passover, the tabernacle was. Yeshua's ministry, similarly, began uh, when he rose from the dead. And I'm not talking about his earthly ministry, I'm talking about the ministry of his kingship, of his reign. Are you with me on the difference there? So he had an earthly ministry that was three and a half years long, and that began when he was immersed by Yohanan Hamad Beel. It wasn't time. Remember, he was at a wedding and he told his mother, it's not time. My time hasn't come yet, right? <laughs> she knew it had because he'd already been immersed, right? Mm-hmm. All right. The royal Hakodesh came on Messiah and anointed him with power. And his ministry on earth began. But what I'm talking about is the ministry of his kingship, where he establishes his house. Messiah's house is being built right now. That's the concept. If you're getting anything out of the last five or six lessons, drashes that we've done, is that you are supposed to be participating in building his house. Alright? Messiah rose from the dead. The beginning of his redemptive ministry for mankind began at Passover. The temple made of stone by Shlomo was consecrated on the first day of the seventh month, Biblically. And on that day, Yeshua will fetch his bride by resurrecting her from the dead. And those are the stones that we are being made into. Are you with me? So there's a cloth ministry that's going on right now. It's it's the cloth of our flesh. Are you with me? That's one of the things that we talked about last week, is believing that Yeshua is right now in flesh. His own flesh and ours. Those who confess him as Messiah. If people do not believe that Messiah is on earth and he has a representative body here on earth, they don't know God. They don't understand the gospel. Yeshua will resurrect, begin the resurrection of his bride in the seventh month on day one. And that'll be the the beginning of the seventh millennium. At the beginning of the eighth millennium, the whole world will finally see God. Every soul that has ever lived will be resurrected and stand before him, either to damnation for forever or to live with him eternally with him in the midst of us. Yes. And that is both figurative and literal. That's spiritual and physical. Yes. His city will be built and he will be at the center of it, but he Lord. will be inside of us in, in, in a manifold way that we cannot understand right now. So we taste it every now and again. Yeah. 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 But we will know it in the fullness of it. Yes, In that eighth day. The yes. day of The final anointing if you will the the, the messianic kingdom is alive and well and not suffering any violence anymore and we are at peace we see our messiah and every creature that has ever been created will have seen their creator and then sadly most of them will be put out of his presence never to see him again that's why we do what we do is not only to get there ourselves, but to try to rescue people so that they are not banished from the presence of God forever. If anything is hell, it's hell without, it's it's not having the presence of God. In the portion, Shmini, foreshadows all of that. The eighth day. We read in our portion, At the beginning of the portion, Shmini, which is Vayikra chapter 9, take a he goat for a chatat, this is about verse 3, and a calf and a lamb, both of the first year, without blemish, for an olah, and an ox and a ram for shalom offerings to sacrifice before Yevah, and a mincha, mingled with oil. For today, Yevah appears unto you. Today, the eighth day, Yahweh appears unto you. That is very symbolic of the fact that on the 8th millennium, the whole world sees the creator. Israel, at this time, is prefiguring that kingdom. Are you with me? You may remember that our biblical calendar flipped at the Exodus. And I I hope that I can communicate this to you without confusion at all. God created Adam at Rosh Hashanah, day one. Calendar ran like that until Exodus 12. So Genesis 1 to Exodus 12, the calendar, the beginning of the year was Rosh Hashanah. That's why it is still called Rosh Hashanah, because we still track time from the creation by that calendar. It is not wrong. There's a lot of Messianic people who throw away the calendar of Israel. Don't want anything to do with Rosh Hashanah. It will not call Yom Teruah Rosh Hashanah. It is the beginning of the year still for tracking time. God, in Exodus 12, flipped the calendar and said, This month, this Chodesh, this new moon, will be your new year. That Chodesh was the Chodesh of the Aviv, which we are going to see this week in Israel. All right, That's the beginning of the sacred year. That is how we track prophecy All prophecy is rooted in that calendar. Alright? Then, when we get to Vayikra, we are two years out from that flip. What I'm talking about is, in the Exodus in chapter 12, if you don't remember this, chapter 12 of Shemot, is take a lamb, inspect it, Take it on the 10th day, inspect it for 4 days sacrifice it because in the evening of the 14th day I'm coming to destroy the firstborn alright that's chapter 12 and that's when God flipped the calendar and that was that is the beginning of the prophecies about the messianic kingdom that we're, that we're heading that we are in right now and heading toward in, in manifestation is, is that clear? Yes, yes. at that point The shadow of Messiah, the Son of God, is being formed by Israel. What point are we at? We are are two years into Israel being a nation consecrated by God through the Red Sea, through the blood of the Lamb, through the Red Sea, uh, you know, living in His presence for two years, building His tabernacle, and now the ministry starts. Are you with me? And they are Living out. There is a theological word for it, but I can't think of what it is. They are living out through their lives the imagery of Messiah Yeshua. So, in our portion, right after the Kuanim are anointed, then the eighth day <coughs> offerings are offered. And we read, in Moshe and Aharon went into the Moed and came out and blessed the people. And this is at the end of chapter 9, if I'm not mistaken. They blessed the people and the kavod yahu the heaviness the presence the glory of Yahweh manifested appeared unto all the people and there came forth fire from before yahu and consumed upon these the offering of the, of the burnt the, the altar of the burnt offering and of the fat and when all the people saw it they shouted and fell on their faces 2 million plus people saw Yama standing there in the, in, in, in the form of the cloud and probably the messenger was in the middle of it are you with me? and saw him consume the offering off of the altar that is literal and I believe it happened I don't think this is figurative words I think God had him a meal that day he doesn't eat like we do you understand what I'm saying he received their offering alright this is why Israel is the most hated people on the earth because they saw God they saw his miracles he was in their their midst for 40 years and then boom very next chapter what I'm about to say shows that we are still in the natural we're forming the image of the son of God and his congregation but we're at fault and so what's about to happen that I'm about to read, we have to be careful of. Because a lot of people look with arrogance on Israel. I'm talking about ancient Israel. They look with arrogance on Israel. They're those foolish Jews. You know. And they don't realize believing people since Messiah came have done the same stupid jump, and are still doing it. And in my opinion, it's getting far worse than what Israel did. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aharon, took each of them his center and put fire therein and laid incense thereon and offered strange fire before Yahweh, which he had not commanded them. They broke protocol. They did something that Abba did not ask them nor instruct them to do. They took it upon themselves because they were anointed. They were anointed. We just read it. And because of their anointing, we decide that we're holy and we're, we, we can do this, and they died because of it. That's arrogance. People genuinely experience the anointing of God, and then they get arrogant. Many people do understand that the strange fire was something that God did not command. That's He defines what strange fire is. An offering that God did not command. We who follow the Torah understand that this is taking upon ourselves to decide how and when we worship Yahweh. Most of the world doesn't get that. And they're comfortable arbitrary decision that one man made 2, 1700 years ago to worship any time they want and that is the spirit like Nadav and Navihu it's the same thing it's strange fire Nadav and Navihu if you take their names together in Hebrew is I pledge he is my father or he is my generous father We saw, and I don't think I went into much detail on this this year, but last year you should remember, we saw that the burnt offerings, many of the offerings, were considered isha layemah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, uh, Karban isha uh, a An offering of fire before Yah. Do you remember that? And do you remember that isha is actually the word for wife? Yes. strange fire is using one of the altars of God when and how he said not to without him commanding it so in Vayikra 1 through 7 the, the offerings that were called Isha ishela is how it's followed. Ishela LaYewah are the mincha, which is the morning meal offering usually made of some kind of bread Zevach Shalom the peace offering and the Hashem, the guilt offering. Alright? And those are offerings that involve cattle. They are called Ishelayel, which trans- can translate because there are no vowels in, in Hebrew on a Torah scroll. You can't translate, if you read it accidentally, the wife of Yel. And I do believe it's alluding to us as the bride of the Messiah. Alright? Then in chapter twenty-two, so we're reading that. That's that was last week's portion. We just read it, and it you know it's kind of being carried on into what we're talking about right now in this week's portion. But in chapter twenty-two, right before you get to the teaching about the the instructions about the seven Moedim, it reads this way: concerning any offering, it says, when a bull or a sheep or a goat is brought forth, then it shall be seven days under the dam. That means seven days with its mama. But from the eighth day, and thenceforth it may be accepted for a carban of fire unto Yahweh. Vehayashivat yamin tahati mo, miyom hashmini, miyom hashmini, the day we're talking about today. Vahala yevatze le carban ishelayam. Are you with me? So the very animals that are offered as sacrifices are sequestered for seven days. Gee, that rings a bell. That, that, that rings a bell. Yes. We see that picture with Yaakov, who, when he married his wife, Leah, is sequestered with his wife for seven days. Let the days of her marriage be fulfilled and then you may have Rahel, right? That's a picture right there. The bride goes with Messiah into the chuppah for seven years and then after that he comes to earth and receives a second bride are you with me? there's no doubt about the imagery and then I heard someone just blurt it out the Kohanim the high priest on Yom, Yom Terawa, Rosh Hashanah after that day was over he took his bride into a secret chamber into the, in the temple and stayed with her for seven days preparing for Yom Kippur Which, by the way, is the day that Yeshua is going to put his foot down. So he would come out of his chamber with his bride, and he had another bride waiting there. Remember that? And the practical reason for another bride being outside is because if the other one, because typically the Kohenaginol was old, and if his wife passed away while he's in there or got sick, he needed someone to minister to him. So there was a second bride waiting outside. The imagery is, I don't see how people can't see this. And, our, and, and every offering, every offering is sequestered for seven days. That's a picture to me. It's so relative to weddings in the Bible. The bride and groom are sequestered for seven days. There's a second image here, though. It's under his mother. And that's the imagery of Yom Teruah, when an infant child in the Hebrew is taken up remember that from chapter 12 I beheld a sign a child was born right and that child was snatched up to heaven and Hasatan came after the remnant of the mother her children remember all of that I think that could be what this under the dam means under the mother means Pesach is the cloth ministry, but Rosh Hashanah is the stone ministry. That's the beginning of putting together a final house of God. And it's people. It's people. People are too fascinated. You've, seen, you've probably seen the same images I have on social media where they draw the cube and it's all shiny gold. you know, And, and, and they think that accurately represents what the Revelation is talking about. And it's probably so far off. <laughs> Because they're taking way too literally what they're reading in the Revelation. But I think that the shadow of the could also be alluding to them bringing a strange wife. Because remember, a shot wife where life is rooted in fire, esh. All right. Strange fire is anything that Elohim did not command. So, a bride that does something that God does not command is no longer a bride. Right? I don't know if you know this. I've taught it. But in the Galilean wedding, Right before the moment that she takes the cup, she has the option to say, I don't want it. You with me? Yeah. That's why I beg people to stay past it for all four cups of the Passover Seder. I don't want anybody. You need, if you're inviting people, make tell them you've got to stay. Don't leave early. You've got to stay. strange fire is when we think we're smart enough and anointed enough to figure out how to serve Him contrary to His instruction. That's the very definition of spiritual harlotry. In the Hiklut in Revelation chapter 2 Yeshua talks to one of the seven congregations and He says because you have left your first love. She'et ahav you have forsaken your first lover. Is how you can read that. I want to show you, I think, a greater significance of that. In our Brihadashah portion, Kefa Yaakov and Yohanan, Peter, James, and John, three of the writers of the Brihadashah, they're taken up to Mount Tabor and they see Moshe and Eliyahu and they visit. Now, Moshe and Eliyahu visit Yeshua, and Kepha and Peter interjects himself into that conversation. Hey, let's, let's build three sukkahs here yeah. one for you, one for Moshe, and one for Eliyahu. Yeah. Do you realize they were standing there and he just kind of blurted? He was excited and scared, and he was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and Yeshua is transfigured. Becoming an eternal man for a moment. Do you realize that? He became what he would be forever before he became... before he And then he came, became what he was. And while he was transformed, God the Father speaks from heaven. It says in Mark 9, 7, And there was a cloud overshadowing him, and a voice out of the cloud said... This is my ben Haahu, my beloved son. Ahav, the word for love. Hear him. Elav tishma'un. You will hear him. And we understand, because we study Hebrew a little bit deeper, that tishma'un is, has the word Shema in it, which means hear and respond. When you hear him, do what he says. It's all rolled up into that one word. And suddenly when the Talmudim looked around, they saw no man except Yeshua alone with them. So when Yeshua said, you have left your first love, he's talking about himself. And he is the word of God. And I've told you this before, that the congregation that he said that to is Ephesus. And if you look, the one thing, Ephesus is one of the most detailed congregations in the Greek Hadashah. ministered to them for two years and taught them daily the scriptures in the house of Tyrannus. You know, we had someone leave us because we rent this place. Tyrannus means tyranny. It's a pagan place, a pagan schoolhouse. And Paul rented it for two years and his people showed up. because we rent from somebody that's part of the Catholic organization, some people don't want to come here. That's ridiculous. It's stupid. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. So, the point being is he taught them the scriptures daily for two years. What scriptures? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? No. No. Genesis through Malachi. He taught them how to be the children of Israel. They were Ephesians before that. They were Galatians before that. He taught them to be children of Israel. To walk the way Messiah walked. Their first love is their bridegroom. And so if you love the bridegroom, you read His Ketubah and get ready for the wedding. He's our redeemer from sin. He's the one who rescues us. One on whom alone we rely for cleansing and consecration. You've left Ben-Ha'ahuv, the son of love, you could say. love of Elohim is expressed perfectly in the son of God. And I I had, I don't know, I don't know if the person unfriended me or not, but I've had this friend on Facebook for a while now that's Catholic and uh, aggressive. And uh, I couldn't take it anymore. Because they posted a picture of the Ark of God. Obviously an artist's rendition of it. No one's seen it. But uh, a rendition of probably what's in our portion this week. Where the Ark is being carried. And David is dancing before it. I didn't pay enough attention to the picture to know which episode of the Bible it was painted after. But it, it may have been that one. And then a picture of Mary as a statue being worshipped by Catholics and said see it's not idolatry and I couldn't stand it anymore and I I had to respond to that and I said the difference is that ark was not prayed to and worshipped that ark was hidden behind a curtain and visited once a year you guys carry that thing and worship it and pray to it that's the difference and I said Mary's dead <laughs> She's dead. <laughs> I can't. I said something else. I tagged something else on the end of it. But anyway, it just—I not haven't, I haven't heard a peep out of them, so I might have got deleted. But that's fine because I wanted them to deal with it. Um, our first love is the Word of God expressed in Messiah Yeshua. All of this is foreshadowed. The image of all of that is starting to form in Israel in our portion where we are reading. And that's concerning the cloth ministry. The stone ministry, ministry makes these images of might more clear. Um, and we see that beginning to form in Israel in our haqqara portion when Elohim says to David, and I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them. They may dwell there in their own place and may be disquieted no more neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as at the first even from the day that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and I will cause you to rest from all your enemies moreover, Yahweh tells you that Yahweh will make make you a house in other words, David said I want to build you a house and Elohim says, no I'm going to make you one and he's talking about his messianic body his kingdom when your days are fulfilled and you sleep with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you that shall proceed out of your body, and I will establish his ma'ud. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish his, the throne of his ma'ud forever. And I will be to him for a father, and he shall be to me for a son. Now, we all know that's about Shlomo. But is Shlomo still alive? Is there a king in Israel today? No. So, yes, this was about Shlomo, but more importantly, it's about Yeshua. And I said it last week, wasn't it last week that I read to you all the scriptures about the Son of God being the Messiah? Well, this is another one that says I'll be to him a Father and he'll be my Son. We know this is talking about the Messianic kingdom, right? So we go from my oil to his peace in Shmini to Shlomo and Shlomo built the stone house, but Yeshua's current house Like I already said, it is a house of flesh, but it's being built into a flesh and bone assembly that will be permanent and forever. Yeshua right now is standing at the right hand of God in a resurrected body. And he is right now, and I've said it already, but it bears repeating, in the flesh that you and I occupy. As I mentioned last week, we're being built into a body of royal koinim we are living stones supernaturally being built up into a permanent sanctuary for Elohim he told Israel if they did all that they were told to do his kabod his glory would appear And one day when we've done all that we are told to do he will dwell in our midst He does that now, and that's a promise to us for the right now as well. So we're kind of caught between. We're in these cloth vessels, but we're already working on the new sanctuary. Are you with me? So, is it, in my mind, it's blatant arrogance to think that the warnings that apply to Israel don't apply to believers today about his house. When we were talking about a cloth temple or a stone building, and now we're talking about the very body of Messiah. And people do not take the body of Messiah seriously in the sense of it's in, it's right now on earth, and I'm looking at stones in his body. I'm looking at muscle and sinew and bone and marrow in his body when I look at you guys. And you're supposed to be seeing that in me as well. We're supposed to be seeing that in each other. And we're supposed to respect people who confess him that we don't know. I respected that Catholic guy enough to say, hey dude, you're ruined. I wasn't hateful. I was truthful. I'd still be friends with him. I'd love to have a discussion with him. I don't know where he lives. But I've got to find out what his confession is. Right? Right? At the resurrection, God the Creator will dwell in our midst. And that is literal, and that is spiritual. And I wish I could draw what I see, because I had a dream or vision or something one time that was very prophetic, and I don't don't know that I need to detail it here today. Perhaps, I don't know, but it ended up being for my brother-in-law, and I had no idea he was in it. I hadn't seen him in two years, you remember. But God is going to dwell in our midst. We're literally going to see the Creator. As I said, Nadab and who had high positions, they had a respectable anointing. They were chosen for that role. And they were so arrogant. They decided they could do whatever they wanted in the house of God. And many people today are arrogant to think that they weren't SAR. That they're unsaved. Most of the Christian community teaches that. That their anointing was only symbolic. Um and there came forth fire from before Yahweh and consumed upon them these becha'olah and the fat. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. That's symbolic? Their anointing wasn't real. They did what God told them to do and thus he appeared to them. Isn't that how it went? That's some anointing right there. Has any of our anointing ever produced what the prophet Eliyahu produced? No. Eliyahu Hanavi came near and said, O Yahweh Elohim of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yisrael, let it be known this day that you are Elohim in Israel, and that I am your servant, that I have done all the things, and your deliverim, I've done everything that you've commanded me. Hear me, O Yahweh, hear me that this people may know that you, Yahweh, are Elohim, for you did turn their heart backward. Then the fire of Yahweh fell and consumed the olah, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, Yahweh, He is Elohim. Yahweh, He is Elohim. Has our anointing ever produced that? Has anybody's? No. Messianic people and Christiane and I say that in the Greek because that's what it is. Insist we're the true congregation. Okay. And I said this last week: people of faith lie to themselves all the time. And, and if you're honest, you'll admit that you lie to yourself at times. I have. I have gone for long spans of time lying to myself about certain situations. Anybody else? Yeah. we have to stop lying to ourselves and I believe we have and we have to make sure that no one else is lying to us when they come in here right? and that's what Yeshua said to that first congregation in in the Hebrew to to the Ephesian congregation shakir you have found them to be liars. They called themselves appointed ones, but you have found them to be liars. We talked to you last week about the lying messianic people. Remember that? And that applies to messianic in the modern sense of the word today, and it also applies to Christians because it's the same word. Christiane, Meshiachim. Same word. There are false people. kavod, Yabba, is supposed to be in our midst. Right now. All we get is a taste of it. I wish we could taste more and more of it. And I think we will, and I think we do. I think we're starting to understand it better. You guys think so? Second Corinthians chapter 6 For what harmony has the call of Elohim divided? For you are the Hechal, the sanctuary of the living Elohim. As it is said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their Elohim, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says Yabba, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says Yabba Ohez HaKol. So there's that father and son relationship right there for everybody that believes. And he does mean to walk in our midst. And we are supposed to be Kurdish, Set apart. Consecrated. And one of the things of consecration is chapter 11 that we read this week which is eating clean food. But there's a whole lot more that goes with it. And someone that thinks that they're their food that their kosher eating of whatever variety is, that that is part of their sanctification has a big problem Mm -hmm. it's not part of your sanctification, you're sanctified again by the blood of Messiah, go to last week's drosh Mm -hmm. and nothing more we do that to show forth his walk Mm -hmm. we couldn't do it we do our best at it to show other people how he lived and we chill right we don't condemn ourselves and we certainly don't condemn anybody else because their walk is different or because they slipped up right there is no condemnation for those who are in Messiah issue and there are a lot of believers out there who are in Messiah issue who call him Jesus Christ a lot of them and if we want to bring them to clarity and truth play nice (laughs) Right. And I read this last week, 1 Peter chapter 2. The one to whom you are coming is the living stone whom men have rejected, and yet he is the chosen and precious of Elohim. You also, as living stones, build up yourselves and become spiritual sanctuaries and holy priests set-apart consecrated priests to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to Elohim by Yeshua HaMashiach. As it is said in the Scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, approved and precious, and he who trusts on him shall not be ashamed. It is the trust that removes your guilt. It's interesting to me that Asham, is a guilt offering in Hebrew, and ashamed is invoked by guilt. It is to you who trust, therefore, that this honor is given, but to those who are disobedient it is a stumbling stone and a stone of offense. And they stumble over it because they are disobedient to Hadabar for which they were appointed. But you are a chosen family, ministers in Hamachud, a Kadosh people, an assembly <coughs> redeemed. Here's the kicker, to proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness to his marvelous light. We walk in light because he wants us to. We are sanctified by his blood, but we walk in light with joy. <laughs> we want to help each other, you know, if you're, if you were in the dark and the whole place was dark and you found a flashlight, are you going to go abuse your, you don't have a flashlight! Did <laughs> you just walking out all along just messing up? You don't have a flashlight. Well, darn! Share the thing with me, Goober. <laughs> my, my beloved ones, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from carnal desires which war against the soul, and let your conduct be good for all before all men, so that those who speak evil words against you. They see your good works and glorify Elohim at the day of trial. And that word for trial there is not tzara, it's not tribulation. It's that means tested to make a distinction. It's a, it, I'm going to look into that word deeper. I've seen it before and I've understood it, but I think there's something there. Tested to, to separate, to make distinction that's not judgment day that's right now that's why we go through tests count it all joy You go through many trials because God is working out your patience right right I believe is how it's conjugated We undergo tests on our own. There is a day, a final day of distinction between the righteous and the unrighteous, and that's the eighth day that we've been talking about. We undergo trials right now to make us distinct from other people. And if we're not caught unawares, then we will ascend and be with Messiah for seven days if we make ourselves living sacrifices right now. the distinction is between the harlot and the bride. The adulterous betrothed and the actual betrothed who does become the bride. And at the end of it all, I saw heaven this is in the Hebrew chapter 20 20, I believe. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the consecrated city, Yerushalayim Achadashah New Jerusalem, coming down from Elohim, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. That's what I was talking about. We don't understand this. This is us somehow. Are you with me? And I heard a great voice from heaven saying, Behold, the Mishkan of Elohim is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and Elohim shall be with them and be their Elohim. And he shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor wailing, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things have passed away. And he who sat upon the throne said, Behold, I renew all things. And he said to me, Write, for these are the trustworthy and true words of Elohim. And he said to me, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give up fountain of mankind to him who is thirsty. He who overcomes shall inherit these things, and I will be his Elohim, and he shall be my son. But as for the fearful and the untrusting and the sinful and corrupt, the murderers, those who commit adultery, magicians, idolaters, and liars, their portion shall be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. rather be part of the Resurrection. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to listen to the Drosh for this week's Parsha. In the description, you'll find all the links to our websites and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Mikdash Mayot ministry. Until the next time, we pray God blesses you with shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.